it's not just the fringe industries that Facebook can be picky about. It's any industry that tries to communicate in a certain way. For those very restricted industries, you're going to need to make a bridge that will attract your ideal clients and customers, but it's not going to have any of the restricted type content in it. And then uh, it gets the bridge gets them off of Facebook. Because really what's most important for offers that are on the fringe like this is owned traffic. So getting that email address so that you can not have to rely on a platform and the policy and the algorithm. Once you own that traffic, you can then use email to send them videos, to send them information about your products and services. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode eight of Come Again a podcast for the loud and disallowed. I'm your host, Georgia Mountford-Blake, and I am here to help boundary-pushing business owners and movers and shakers who are out there challenging social norms. I am here to help amplify the voices of restricted niches. I have invited Kristen Nichols to talk to us today. She is an Iowa farm wife turned copywriter who helps clients grow and scale their businesses. And her clients include seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs and influencers, television stars, and business owners. And she is a popular guest expert inside all kinds of high ticket mastermind programs and podcasts. Without further ado, let's listen in. You, you come, come on again. again. Come, come again. again. Come, come again. again. You, you do what? Well. Yeah. Come again. For those of you joining us for the first time, this is a mini series that I have started enjoying. Segment, if you will wherein I introduce you to one of the top 100 entrepreneurs who changed history. Is it 100? Did I just make that up? I don't know how many there are. I'll I'll count another time. But I I like to read from this book and introduce you to people, companies, names, brands, who you may know, a lot of them are big name brands, but what you may not know is the impact they had on society in in their day, in the future, on, on the world, on the planet, on the direction that we've taken in business or marketing or economics or retail and how that's actually affected how we live, work and play today. So I am going to introduce you to one such businesswoman. Her name is Sarah Blakely. She was born in 1971 and still lives with us today. Not not with me, unfortunately, but uh, yes, she is famous for, I'm going to give you some hints and I'm going to see if you can guess what the company is or what the product is. If you know it already from her name, kudos to you. Awesome. Love you. Give yourself a pat on the back. Gold star, whatever you like. So this businesswoman, she owns her company outright. She has no partners, no shareholders, no board of directors. Her brand sells in 65 countries and she is known as the world's youngest female self-made billionaire. Any guesses yet? And she's also known for her philanthropy. Let me give you one or two more clues before I uh, give the name away of the brand. She has a patent or patents for her product. She's been on Oprah. First Lady Michelle Obama even endorsed the brand. And believe it or not, this brand did not place any advertisements until 2016. 
So she established the business in 2000 and for the next 15 years got a bit of a name for herself for deliberately shunning advertising. Instead, she chose to work relentlessly as the face of the brand, doing public appearances, getting endorsements. And in 2004, she caught the attention of Richard Branson, founder of the Virgin Group. And he was so impressed with her entrepreneurialism that he gave her $750,000, which she used to set up a foundation to provide scholarships and grants to aspiring female entrepreneurs. She sounds like a bit of a rock star to me. For those who haven't guessed it yet, the brand we are talking about is none other than Spanx, the innovative body slimming underwear and shapewear for women. This woman apparently failed two attempts at entrance exam to study law. Instead, she completed a communications degree and worked at Walt Disney World for three months before accepting a job selling fax machines for an office supply company and a few years later getting the idea for Spanx when she was getting ready for a party one evening. 12 years after Spanx was founded, the company was valued at a billion dollars and after that, Blakely signed the Giving Pledge started by Bill and Melinda Gates, which is a pledge to donate half of her personal wealth to charitable causes. Amazing. If you have an entrepreneur you think I should mention on the show, if you know someone dead or alive who has or is changing the world with their view, with their actions, with their company, with their money, with their message, whatever it may be, I would love to hear who you would like to hear about on this show. Hey, Krista, thank you for joining hey. me on my show. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited about today because I'm a bit of a wordsmith myself. And I think in another life, I would have probably been a copywriter. So tell me how you ended up where you are today, teaching people how to write strong sales copy. Well, I kind of accidentally fell into it. I took a position in a Facebook ads agency writing ad copy. I had a background in journalism, so I knew I was a good writer. I had just never thought about writing for sales. I'm not sure what motivated the agency owner to hire me, but she must have seen something in me. And when I was able to write from inside the Facebook ads platform, because I also managed ads, something just kind of clicked. I realized that you could massage words and use language as a way to get a message across really effectively. And if you knew how to do it in a way that would be approved and um, promoted by the algorithms of the platforms you were using, even better. Mm -hmm. We're going to go deep on that. How to use the words that are approved by platforms in a minute. I want to go back to what you just said about your journalism background. I have mm -hmm. a similar story. I did journalism and software development at uni, did a little bit of time in the newsroom and in feature editing and things like that, but it ultimately took the IT path and then left all that behind to run a poll studio and become a marketing agency owner and whatever else happened since then. But I feel like there's a lot of things that I studied and learned during the course of the journalism training that have been so helpful for me in my marketing journey. Do you see similar parallels? What do you find you pull from your journalism experience? 
Oh, definitely. So the hook and angle thing, that was very journalism. Get the attention of the reader right away. Make it stand out. Make it grab attention. Also, the way that you communicate in journalism is very direct and to the point, but also you want to have some human interest. So there are a lot of commonalities between sales writing and journalism just because attention is your currency. And it's the same for readership as it is for purchase and sales. So there were a lot of parallels. I also had a almost a major, a double major in sociology. So studying people groups, the way people make decisions, the way that people act and interact, which really, really helped me catch on and be able to leverage sales psychology really well. So like you said, like you leaned into the IT direction. I went into studying what people think, how they make decisions, how they react, what they understand and how to use words to help lead them on a journey. Yes. And the kind of sales psychology and understanding human thought processes and what motivates us. I want to ask you about that. What can you give me if my listeners are not professional copywriters, they're business owners who are passionate about whatever it is that they offer or their cause. What are some tactics for how do we get like what sales psychology can we take advantage of when we're writing copy? When you sit down to think about what is going to connect with your audience and how you can get their attention long enough to keep them reading. There are some things that you can do before you write that will set you up for success. So the first thing is you really need to know who you're writing to. So who is your target audience? And even more important than the demographics of female mom lives in this area are what problems are they having? What problems are they having that your product or service can solve? And so I often tell people who I am helping create their messaging is write down the pain points that they're having right now. What are the problems that they're facing? And then write down what they're trying. What have they already tried and not had success with in order to get the result that they want? Because if you can create the intersection of, I know what you're thinking and feeling, I know what you've experienced and that you've tried all these things and here's why that didn't work and my thing will, then it's almost like, an undeniable pull that you have because you are presenting them with that missing piece of information that they didn't have before. So I know a lot of the really high level marketers that I've learned under are like, there is no improvement offer. Like nobody wants an improvement offer. People want the new unique thing. So if you can get difference, sorry, Mm -hmm. between improvement offer and new unique. So an improvement offer would be something that just adds a little bit to something that already exists. So it's an upgrade, if you will. If another program out there is offering an hour of one-on-one coaching, you might offer two. But really, the, the guts of the program might be exactly the same. That's not going to appeal to someone as much as if you come up with a new unique selling proposition that says, I know that you could go with this other program that offers video trainings and it offers a workbook and it offers, you know, downloadables and things and coaching. But what they don't teach you is that there's this missing piece. And without this missing piece that I break down in my five-step framework or whatever, you are going to struggle with this, this, and this. And it's it gives them that like epiphany moment of, you're right, I didn't know that. 
Mm-hmm. That totally explains why I've been struggling and haven't been able to get results with all the other things I've already tried. Yes, that's beautiful. Because then with the improvement offer, I suppose all the buyer has to be interested in is, okay, I've done this before, but this is another go round. This is by a different mm-hmm. person. Like it, it doesn't really compel you in the way that, hey, there was a missing piece and I've got a different solution. Right. And it doesn't stand out in the way that really helps you with pricing either. So it becomes more of a race to the bottom if they can get the same thing only cheaper. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a new offer, they can't get anything like that for any other price because this is the only one. Yeah. Only one like it. And hey, I think my audience does have a leg up there. At least a lot of them are pushing boundaries and doing things that other people aren't doing. So that's excellent. Let's go into that a little bit. It's tricky sometimes to get ads approved. You touched on this at the (laughs) beginning. Platforms, each platform has their own rules. Each industry has as well different things that we have to be careful of. If there was anything you could say to a business owner that's perhaps trying to do this on their own, what are the main things they should watch out for to make sure their ads do get approved? Definitely. So there are going to be some industries that are just very restricted. For those very restricted industries, you're going to need to make a bridge. And so what you're going to do is you're going to create something that will attract your ideal clients and customers, but it's not going to have any of the restricted type content in it. So if it's a checklist for how to sleep better at night, you could take them to a landing page where they would download the checklist. And then once they're completely out of Facebook's reach, then you could mention your CBD gummies that help people relax because of the unique formulation of tea and and oil and this and that. Uh, it gets the bridge, gets them off of Facebook, gets you mm-hmm. out of Facebook's reach by offering them something that's kind of a parallel to what they're going through. And then being able to giving you that attention, that moment to be able to present them with what's yes. really going on. Yes. So like you said earlier, we need to really dive into the psychographics of our audience more so than the demographics. What are their problems? What are they struggling mm-hmm. with? What have they tried? If we focus on that, those, some sort of ad copy around you struggling to sleep, mm-hmm. everything you've tried, X, Y, Z isn't working. Here's a collection of ideas you might not have thought of. And then once they sort of go to that page, maybe they download your freebie, you mm-hmm. then can say all of the things you want to about your possibly borderline products in the emails right. and the follow-up stuff. Because really what's most important for audiences that are on the fringe or for offers that are on the fringe like this is owned traffic. So getting that email address so that you can not have to rely on a platform and the policy and the algorithm to get sales. Once you own that traffic, you can then use email to communicate with them, to send them videos, to send them information about your products and services. That's traffic that's yours now. So whatever you need to do to get them in your bucket, you can do. And you do that within the parameters of the platform and what they allow. But after that, it's yours. And that's super, super important for the fridge industries, more so than just normal industries, because normal industries have the option to do video view ads that talk about their offers. They have the option to run lead gen straight to 
webinars. They have more options as far as working with paid traffic platforms that mm. fringe industries. I feel like this is an area of frustration with business owners that do have these products. They're not illegal. They're, they're entirely legal. It depends on the jurisdiction mm-hmm. or the age or whatever. They actually are allowed to advertise these products a lot of the time, but it depends how they position it. So there's quite a lot of jumping through hoops to get your Mm -hmm. copy right. Yes. Have you ever worked with a client like this? What do you see working really well in terms of creative language Mm -hmm. or? Yeah. So I actually work with this a lot because it's not just the fringe industries that Facebook can be picky about. It's any industry that tries to communicate in a certain way. So income claims, just targeting, like calling out certain types of people, being too negative in your marketing. So it's, it is just a balancing act. But what you can do is things that go over well are generally is copy framed from your perspective or another person's perspective, but not making a claim that the person reading can get a specific result. That Mm -hmm. will red flag to Facebook right away because they don't like results claims. So if you're saying you could sleep all eight hours a night, every night without waking up, they're going to be like, "Eh, you can't prove that. But you could say, I used to spend every night staring at the clock. I'd fall asleep for a few hours, wake up and not be able to get back to sleep again. And then I discovered four secrets that helped me fall asleep, stay asleep all night long. You can say that because that's your personal story that can be proven. You could even say, and now that I've been sharing it, all of my customers have been able to do this too. Or, you know, more than 1100 customers, happy customers, the testimonials are pouring in that Mm -hmm. you can share, but -hmm. you can't position it as if you do this, you're going to get this result because that comes back on the advertising platform. If people don't get the results that are claimed that they perceive that as this is a black mark on my platform and that will make people leave my platform mm-hmm. and I want to protect my platform at all costs. So they will come down on this. And I think they also, I like to think the best of everyone at all times in general. Yeah. It's perhaps a, a naive failing of mine sometimes, but I think that the platforms want the best for us yeah. as advertisers and us as users and readers and consumers. We're, we're all their users. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of the time there are rules that the platforms put into place that come from higher up, you know, FTC regulations mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things like that. How worried do people have to be about the legalities of what they write? As a copywriter, we know the ins and outs and we can usually find a safe way to say mm-hmm. what we want to say. How big of a concern is that? for people legally I guess I've never had anything come to my attention where there's some kind of legal action taken I think there are a lot of warning signs you will see first so if you're Mm -hmm. trying to run paid traffic and you keep getting ads denied and you keep running up against policy disapproval issues then you know that something needs to shift and change in general most of the time it's not just going to come out of the blue at you there's going to be some warning signs yes and yes yeah, so i guess that's there the platforms are trying to protect us from worse than facebook mm-hmm. jail and sometimes though they can be overzealous with that and we see a lot of automatic rejections mm-hmm. or just maybe oversensitive content uh, sure. reporting yep. of 
I always encourage people to take it at face value and appeal. Assume yeah. the best usually the first time around. You know, often these things aren't actually, you haven't done anything wrong. You just right. are flagged as using words and promoting offers that other people often do something wrong with. You know, mm -hmm. you're in, you're in a space where they're like, okay, let's keep an eye on these people's ads. And so yeah, a lot of the time, just do an appeal, do a review and yeah. it's all fine. Other times we have to, we do have to tweak our ads. Mm -hmm. What do you look for or what do you change when you're trying to get something over the line that was rejected previously? Sure. So first I look at it and think, okay, can I see what they thought was the problem? And mm -hmm. if it's just not there at all, that's when I will just straight go to the appeal and ask them to have a person read through it and manually appeal it. And if you're nice and you just clearly explain, I can totally see why you would think that this is so network marketing opportunities. That's a big one that people can get slapped with for no apparent reason. Mm -hmm. I can see why you would think this. However, I actually have a training platform that teaches sales copywriters how to write better copy, not how to grow an MLM, you know, and sometimes yeah. they just get it wrong. If I can see like where they may have misconstrued something. That's when I'll go in and I'll shift some language around. I'll soften certain things. I'll, I see this most often with where they'll say you're making income claims or results claims. So you'll go in and information. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You'll go in and you'll soften it. You'll bring in a testimonial and state it that way. Or you'll just, there's some trigger words that you can just find an alternative word, you know. Don't say money, say moolah. Don't say <laughs> income, say fill your pocket. You know, that sort of a thing yeah. can really be helpful. People still read between the lines and it's still understandable, but it doesn't flag those algorithm. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a very helpful resource. If you want to say this, say this instead. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen one or two in my time around the money claims and I think possibly weight loss as well. It's quite oh, popular yes. yep. to, to find other ways to say what you want to say without the trigger words. I'm going to be putting together some resources like this for mm -hmm. words, to, words to say if you can't say the words you want to say. If I asked you to contribute a few to that, what are some of the most popular ones you see or the first things that come to your mind of words to use instead of red flag words? Right. So I'm glad you brought up weight loss because that's a huge one. Instead of saying weight loss, you could say, drop the pounds. You could say, fit in your favorite jeans again. Mm -hmm. um, feel like you felt 10 years ago. Anything that kind of alludes to it, but isn't saying, hey, you're going to lose weight. It's mm -hmm. just saying, it's telling them the potential is there without tripping that trigger. Yeah. Describing the transformation or the, mm -hmm. the destination that they, the goal that they have. Yeah. Without right. maybe leaning into explicitly saying what the problem is. I think sometimes right. that's a big one for my audiences too. You mentioned income claims and unsubstantiated results claims. I see a lot personal attributes get flagged. And oh, I think, yeah. yeah, I think that's, there's a bit of a myth, I think that we can't use the word you, right. but we can tell me more about <laughs> what to do or not do there. So Facebook and other advertising platforms, like you said, they want to give a good user experience, but it's not just for the benefit of the user. It's for the benefit of the advertiser too, because if users start leaving, who are they advertising to? You know what I mean? So when it comes to personal attributes, the more positive you can frame things, the better it will be. So if you say, are you sad, lonely, and depressed, they're not going to like that. 
But if you say, would you like to wake up every day feeling re-energized and excited about life? They will love that. They Mm -hmm. want their users to be like, yeah, that's awesome. So something like that, just framing it. Donald Miller talks about the carrot and the stick. With online platforms, you have to use the carrot more than the stick. So the benefit, the outcome, the positive thing that motivates people to move closer to you instead of the pain, the fear, the punishment of what they're not going to be able to achieve if Mm -hmm. they don't, you know? So a positive-based magnetism instead of fear or negative-based pushing people towards you. It just is kind of the way that it has to be. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've been very helpful sharing lots of advice on how we can work around the paid ads restrictions and Mm -hmm. and loopholes, but there's obviously a lot more places we can use copy and- Yep. Like we alluded to at the beginning, there are some where we have more freedom, like our own email list yep. or perhaps internal communities. That's mm-hmm. a bit questionable if, if the community is posted on Facebook. There's still right. things you have to be careful of inside your groups. But I'd like to ask you, what sort of content ideas do you recommend for businesses besides just these ads and these posts? Mm-hmm. What sort of copy should they be looking to create to build relationships with people and, and reach customers? So newsletters are great right now. And I'd have to look into the restrictions around this, but on the LinkedIn platform, you can have a newsletter where people can subscribe. And it's basically like, sending them an email, but it's through the platform. So they can receive it without them having to give you their email address. So it's super low barrier of entry, yet there's that group of people that you can still market to. A personal blog, like through your own website, is also a really great resource because it allows you to communicate. You can make sure that your SEO is really tight so that traffic is getting pushed organically. That way you will have to be a little careful if you're planning on running any paid traffic to those blog articles, but it's definitely a place where you have a lot more freedom to communicate about topics that you wouldn't be able to in paid advertising. And then of course your website, you can have content on your website that you wouldn't be able to have. Like if you were pushing traffic to a funnel or something like that, you can have internal content or downloadable content that people can access that will give them more of like the actual open door type information than Mm -hmm. the kind of engineered safe information. Yeah. I would like to do a little bit of a quick fire round. You seem so far very good on the spot with coming up with copy phrases. I want to come up with some hooks. I love hooks. We talked about this at the beginning of in journalism, you lead with the lead, right? Uh In marketing, that looks like an attention grabbing first sentence or headline, or even first thing you say in a video. So can you give me some examples of hooks that you love to use? Sure. Anytime you can tell someone the five ways to go from this to this. Mm-hmm. Also, how I did this in this time frame. Those are also good. Blank number of top tips for this result that you want. Anytime that you're giving them quick digestible information about mm-hmm. a topic that they want to know, those types of hooks really perform well. Okay. Let's look at the industry, neurodiversity or a mental mm-hmm. health. Throw a hook at me. Uh, that someone in that industry might like to use. Okay. So how about five ways to make sure your employees feel 
heard. Mm. Five ways to care for your physical, mental, and emotional health. Something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Let's do a hook for a sex toy. Someone who is selling products to spice up the bedroom. Okay. How about seven things you need to know before you buy so you don't end up with a dud? Yep. I like it. How, how clickbaity should we get? You know, there's often things like you'll never believe number seven or I don't know. I think there's a line between something being interesting and sounding too salesy and promo-y or yeah. buzzfeedy. That's something a lot of, I hear from my clients. They mm-hmm. want to be seen and heard. They struggle with mm-hmm. that anyway. And yet some of the tactics that are out there that people sure. suggest can feel very cheesy. Yeah. So I don't know, what's your opinion on, on cheesy hooks? Should we be avoiding them? Are they okay? I think that what you have to ask yourself is what is backing it up? Is it cheesy if you're directly really dialing in on the pain points and problems they have? The cheese factor goes away when it's not forced. So when it's actual real content that deals with real legitimate issues and problems that they have, the cheese factor tends to not even hit people's radars because Mm -hmm. it's true. It's true to where they're at right now. And when your content can back it up with the value-based information and the products and services that can help those people solve those problems, it's not clickbaity. It's being there and showing up for your audience. Yeah, I think that it's important to distinguish. I mean, the it's in the word itself, clickbait or engagement mm-hmm. bait. If you're just doing it to bait someone and then mm-hmm. it's like a bait and switch and you're, and you're not actually talking about right. that in the way that you made it sound, then that's when it feels like a cheap tactic. But and if that's we... what's given it that type of stigma of using mm-hmm. it is because people have misused it. They have pulled that on people and they end up finishing the email and being like, well, you didn't even tell me what you said you were going to tell me in the first place, yeah. you know? And so then it becomes something that people are leery of and they want to hold mm-hmm. it at arm's length. Yeah. I am a bit of a fan of a little shock factor just for the shock factor (laughs) effect Mm -hmm. I like I like a controversial headline or an email subject that maybe makes you think twice Mm -hmm. you think they're going to talk about something else as long as it's then tied together and I I think that building that rapport with your audience can really help you can get away with a lot more if you're giving valuable content Mm -hmm. being relatable building real relationships then just like you say it doesn't feel forced and then and then like the most outrageous hooks and headlines they work yeah yeah definitely okay I'm gonna ask you one or two more things before we wrap up ads certain ads that like you know the the copy created a big stink in some industry or anything like that are there any fun scandals that we can look up as examples maybe of what not to do oh sure so those are going to be hard to find because they will be the ones that never saw the light of day or saw the light of day for a very brief time but there will always be certain ones that pop up and you're like how did that get through? Wow, we have had things much, much safer than that get disapproved. You know, so sometimes you're like, is it because they spend a lot of money on the platform? So there's always those little things where you're like, yeah, hmm, how'd that yeah. get through? It's sometimes I'm- like there's different rules. If you're mm. a bit of a, a prominent figure, you can expose yourself on Instagram without ramifications. But if you're an everyday Jill or Joe, you get 
blocked as soon as you're doing a lot of the, the same content that right. the Kardashians are producing or whatever else. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you'll see images that are a little bit risque and it's funny. Mm-hmm. I always find them and I'm like, okay, that was, that was clever. You know, I know Kenny Mouskowitz, who is a copywriter, um, ad zombies, I believe who had one of like a cartoon, butt, and his hook had something to do with the end of something or whatever, but it was a, a shiny cartoon, butt. we're like everywhere we look is Kenny Mouskowitz's butt ad. Aha. But- yeah. So context is key. You can get over a lot more if you can do it in a cheeky way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Well, you've been very helpful today. Thank you for sharing all of your excellent advice and tips with us. If someone wants more from you, where can they find you? Oh, they can find me on my website at kristanichols.com. Otherwise, all my social platforms are at kristanichols.copy. Wonderful. Well, I'm sure you'll see some people heading your way to get some copy tips. And I might bring you back another time because you've been excellent company and I have more to ask you. Excellent. (laughs) Thanks so much. Come again, I'm again. Podcast by Radio Gina.